Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of the region. In partnership with Friends of Latin America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, we broadcast every Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Code Pink YouTube Live. Today's episode is Political Prisoners, Indigenous Land Rights, and the Fight Against Neoliberalism in Guatemala. It's been a while since we've brought you news from Guatemala, a country that to this day suffers the consequences of neocolonialism and Reagan's dirty wars in Central America during the 1980s. Despite the mainstream media narrative currently emphasizing the struggles of Ukraine and the European Union, let's not forget that Guatemala, specifically indigenous Guatemalans, are still being persecuted and are still dying as a direct result of US, intervention in US interventionism 40 years ago and beyond. So today we are welcoming two guests who will share with us their recent travel experiences and current work in Guatemala. I'm really, really um, excited about this, this program, this episode and the guests that we have today and the information we're gonna share with you. Um, I will let all of you know that some of the information and some of our visuals today are gonna be quite graphic but um, all of us participating in this episode feel it's really, really important to emphasize uh, the horrors of neocolonialism, extractionism, US interventionism in all its forms. Um, we'll be judicious in what we share with you, but just so uh, you're all aware that some of the information is gonna be you know, a little difficult. So, so I wanna introduce our guests. Uh, first is uh, Ben Goodman, who is an independent writer, researcher, and organizer uh, pursuing a Master's of Art in Global Communication from the George Washington University. He is currently working on his capstone research and digital media project on the outsourcing of U.S. border militarization to Guatemala, and he's working in collaboration with the Guatemala Solidarity Project and the Promoters of Migrant Liberation. And in relation to Ben's work, we're really pleased to have uh, Palmer Laguerre from the Guatemala Solidarity Project joining us um, today. So let me tell you a little, about, uh, a little bit about Palmer. He's got a very impressive activist background and, um, and, uh, of, and some really formidable experience on the ground um, in Guatemala. So Palmer um, is the co-founder and volunteer coordinator of the Guatemala Solidarity Project. He has spent much of the past 20 years in Guatemala. He is a registered nurse and community organizer who has been detained for civil disobedience and other forms of nonviolent protest over a dozen times. He has spent months in jails and prisons for his work. He has been told directly by both the U.S. Ambassador to Guatemala and Guatemala's Presidential Commission on Human Rights to leave the country or he will be arrested and or killed. So um, a very compelling episode for all of you this, today. So welcome, Ben. Welcome, Palmer. And I also want to quickly introduce the um, audience to Leslie Salgado, who is the chair of Friends of Latin America, who is uh, one of our broadcast partners. And Friends of Latin America has created a fundraiser 
uh, for Guatemala uh, prisoners, political prisoners in Guatemala. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that at the end of the program, but I wanna just uh, put that out there that um, given what you hear this evening, we're gonna ask that you do contribute to this project and the project, uh, the fundraiser can be found on um, Venmo and it's at Faux Latin America, at F-O-L-A-T-I-N America. So, um, so as you listen tonight and are so motivated to uh, help political prisoners in Guatemala, please feel free uh, to go to Venmo for that. So with that um, rather lengthy introduction um, today, and I, I apologize, but there's such, uh, our guests are so compelling. I want you to know as much about them as possible. So with that, I'd like to, um, I'd like to um, have Ben um, tell us a little bit about his experience in Guatemala and what led him to this project at George, uh, George Washington and, um, and welcome Palmer as well. I'm going to leave tonight's uh, project in um, gallery format because we'd like this to be uh, a conversation uh, among everyone as you watch and please feel free to participate in the chat and uh and twitter and if any of you are watching us on zoom please participate via q a so welcome everybody sorry for the lengthy interview but introduction but um all of you bring so much um experience to this episode so ben why don't we start with what you have such a great um ground experience that really motivated you in this work. Why don't you share that with us? Yeah, and uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so uh, the project, oh, I, I had the opportunity to travel to Guatemala in November last year uh, in, in association with my, my research project at GW. And um, the Guatemala, without the Guatemala Solidarity Project, which Palmer's a co-founder of, um, I wouldn't have been able to visit uh, the communities that I did. Um, GSP uh, connected me with uh, organizers on the ground there, um, who then uh, took me to communities. Uh, I, visit, I was able to visit two communities, uh, both uh, indigenous Kekchi communities, one in Alta Verapaz and one in Baja Verapaz departments. Uh, both communities are going through similar similar situations, uh, repression from the, the government and the military, uh, corporate corporate led and uh, Western multilateral led uh, banking led uh, corporate projects like hydroelectric projects, mining projects uh, that are displacing these communities. Um, so without without those connections with the organizers on the ground, I wouldn't have been able to to go there because. The situation's uh, extremely, uh, you know, tenuous and violent in these communities, and understandably, there's a lot of mistrust uh, from people who are not from there. Um, but uh, the, one of the communities that I visited in a small town uh, called Purula in in Baja Verapaz, um, I think Palmer is going to speak more about the situation there that's going on right now, even today. Um, but when I when I went to this community, I sat down with a community leader uh, named Sophia, and um, I had an incredible uh, experience uh, talking with her and 
visiting her community, walking around uh, the community and getting her perspective on and observations and opinions on some of the things that they've been experiencing for a long, long time now in relation to um, claims from uh, Guatemalan oligarchs, uh, land claims, uh, their indigenous territories, ancestral indigenous lands that uh, European, mostly European descended uh, landowners, they call finqueros, uh, claim these lands and they sell these, these lands to um, corporations and other companies that install um, supposedly uh, green technology like hydroelectric projects, which really devastate, uh, devastate the lands and displace people. Um, so when I had conversations with Sophia, she detailed um, a lot of uh, the incursions, uh, paramilitary incursions and military incursions on against her community, um, trying to kick people off their land in order to install some of these hydroelectric and mining projects. Um, and she also detailed a lot of uh, on the community resistance networks and how local communities in that region have have organized and formed coalitions to uh, push back against some of these uh, government and corporate led incursions on their land. Um, and there's been uh, some some uh, news today. I don't know if Palmer wants if Palmer wants to jump in to kind of uh, give us a, a rundown on what's going on today because uh, there's breaking news from there. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Um, and thank you everyone for, for putting this together. Um, so a little bit of the, the international context to Purula, this is an area with a lot of rivers, receives a, a lot of rainfall. And because of that, there's a lot of potential for hydroelectric uh, energy production. It's also an area where uh, indigenous people in particular are, are starving. Um, I happen to be a registered nurse and spent a lot of time um, volunteering at a clinic there in, in Purula. And most of the people who came in um, were parents who were, were bringing their kids who were suffering from acute severe uh, malnutrition, which basically means that they could starve to death at any time. Um, a big reason that they were in this position is because their homes had been burned down and their crops had been destroyed by US-backed military and police who were uh, violently uh, pushing them off of their lands to make way for the expansion of these illegal hydroelectric dams. Um, so, so what happened today and um, it was another attack on these communities. I don't know if anyone can share a few of the, the pictures, but basically thousands of police and soldiers uh, attacked these communities, um, shot, we're, we're not exactly sure at this point how many people. Um, as we speak, there's a significant storm. There's, there's pretty hard rain going on. So it's been really difficult for uh, our partners to um, get, get to the scene and really assess exactly what's going on. The, the cell coverage is, is not great, but we know that there are, are numerous injuries. Um, another important part of the context of, of this is that when the Biden administration stepped into power, um, and last year, one of their very first sort of foreign policy statements towards Central America said that the way, one of the main ways that they wanted to address the uh, so-called immigration crisis 
was by promoting the um, the production of electricity in Guatemala. Um, they actually stated that they wanted to double the production of electricity. Now, the problem of this is, is really clear in the case of Purula, because the um, the clinic that I mentioned that I volunteered at, where people were coming in uh, basically starving to death, there is a hydroelectric dam within a mile and a half of that clinic. And the clinic itself has no electricity. Mm. These hydroelectric dams, uh, unlike what the Biden administration and, and um, many of the, the elite uh, in the US are claiming they do not promote development or any kind of good development in Guatemala. They don't bring sustainable jobs, um, but in fact, they, they destroy local ecosystems and then create electricity to then sell at the highest bidder, which most definitely is not indigenous communities in the area. So um, just today was uh, unfortunately another uh, continuing and, and common example of US-backed military and police violence against these communities. At the same time, something very positive happened today uh, in that our, our hero, Congresswoman Ilan Omar, um, released a letter um, with around 10 signatures from, from other members of the US House um, calling on US military aid to Guatemala, as well as El Salvador and Honduras to be blocked. To be blocked. She did that today. Oh, she God. Did, she, yeah, she did that today. Um, and for folks listening, it, the letter is specifically actually addressed to um, Congressman, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Um, Barbara mm -hmm. Lee is mm -hmm. in the uh, state foreign operations, uh, state foreign and uh, related operations subcommittee of the Appropriations Committee. So basically, it's the a very specific committee in the House that actually decides how much money is going to, to many foreign operations programs. And, and Barbara Lee, unfortunately, has not always and often has not sided with us on this issue, but she has taken courageous stands um, against militarism in other cases. So uh, folks who are listening, uh, in addition to donating, which I think we'll talk about more later as well, please call Congresswoman uh, Barbara Lee and ask her to include language in the upcoming fiscal year 2023 budget to uh, block funding to, to Guatemala, block military funding uh, and police funding specifically. Wow, this is, that, that is good news. I mean, gonna, definitely something that all of us in our work can um, unite behind and and lobby about, it's particularly email, call, visit Barbara Lee's office, district and DC offices about this. So, and I'll, I'll post um, some of that information um, in the chat here and also um, on the YouTube live. So um, I just, I'll just share, I think, you know, Ben and Leslie know this, Palmer Evident shared this with you, my, my Latin America work, uh, well, I was introduced to Mesoamerica and, uh, in the sixth grade. And so I had a really fabulous teacher who really kind of cultivated my interest and it's been a lifelong passion and now work. Um, 
but I physically, outside of being a, a tourist to destinations, um, my first actual activism was in Guatemala in 1984. I went as a human rights accompanier and worked for six months taking, you know, people to court and all those things that you're, you and Ben are so familiar with. And, you know, in, in 84, that was right in the middle of Reagan's dirty wars in Central America and all these indigenous communities were basically annihilated, not unlike how the West was one quote unquote in the United States. And, um, and then I uh, was out of Guatemala for many years, went back just for personal travel in 2005, 2009. And then in 2014, I was fortunate enough to join a, a School of the Americas Watch delegation to Guatemala. We spent most of our time in the Central Highlands in Quiche. In, um, and all of those communities that were exterminated in the 80s are now either mining communities or have mining concessions um, assigned to them. So, you know, it's, it's the same. I try to tell that to people in the States. It is the same westward expansion, grab of land, resources, exploitation of human resources, natural resources, to the extent, you know, of literally killing people for those land grabs and resource grabs. And it's a really, um, it's a really heinous thing. And it's, it's also why I'm so, so pleased to have you and Ben join us tonight, too, because it's a really personal to how I got involved in you know, really on the ground Latin America activism. So, so um, Ben, this experience that you had in November really um, has, you know, um, tied your studies and, and your activism and it's really impressive. And I wonder, uh, especially with Palmer joining us today as well, that we could talk about um, U.S. intervention is in the, in the funding of, of the military and how this affects, specifically affects the land that the military is used to secure the land. It's also used to prevent migration. So you have people being forced off their land, their water's been taken. I think also uh, the dry quarter in Central America is expanding due to climate change. So these people can't eat, and yet there's a military presence in their country and on the border, Guatemala-Mexico border funded by the United States, preventing these people from leaving. So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, I, think, I think it's important to, to point out and understand that, and, and I know people know this already, but, um, you know, in the 60s, uh, after the coup, after the CIA coup in 54, the U.S. government uh, rearranged and reconfigured the Guatemalan uh, military, industrial and security complex, um, which uh, em employed a counterinsurgency, you know, targeting civilians, uh, uh, military, uh, you know, technique, which is still used today. It was never... Uh, that same kind of intelligence and military 
uh, you know, formation is, was not dismantled, uh, unlike, you know, in, in Nicaragua after the Sandinista revolution when the, when the military was reconfigured. Um, so that same, that, that same, that same type of, uh, that same military configurations used uh, to this day, today, in fact, against the community in, in Purula, and um, it's, uh, it gains its funding, uh, much of its funding and training from the U.S., from the U.S. government, um, and that was some of the, some of the investigations that I tried to do for this research project was understand where, where this funding is coming from, where it's going, um, and it's very difficult to track down that information because um, it's not it's not widely available. The the DoD doesn't release that data. Um, there is <clears throat> there is some information about the the CARSI uh, Security Initiative, uh, which is a, a Central American Regional Security Initiative, which Guatemala is the the biggest recipient of, and um, there are some there's some documentation on where this funding goes and where it goes through. And um, I've found that the, the CARSI security funding is funneled through USAID um, in, in Guatemala and it goes to militarization and, and that, that means border militarization. So it goes to the US created uh, uh, IATF um, you know, Shorti, which is on the Honduran border, and uh, there's uh, four in total in the country that were, are, were created and funded by the U.S. government. Um, that that security funding also goes to training police and military and and funding equipment, which has time and time again been proven to be going not towards the designated uh, areas where they say it's going to go, like uh, combating drug trafficking and other things, but is often used to repress indigenous communities, um, as was seen in uh, El Estor, uh, on, on the siege of El Estor this, this past year. Um, I believe that Ilhan Omar and other representatives actually wrote, an, wrote a separate letter on this, um, uh, demanding the uh, accountability for, for these uh, military funds. Um, so there, there's definitely there's there's an intricate connection between uh, a counterinsurgency policy that seeks to uh, take indigenous lands, uh, kick uh, kick indigenous people off their lands to install these uh, these projects, uh, and then when they're when they're displaced and they're forced to leave, then they're confronted with a whole other militarized apparatus with with this these border militarization initiatives. And then all all the way through Mexico, and uh, you know you can talk for a long time about different initiatives in Mexico and, and other places. Um, I, I think it's important to mention with these uh, hydroelectric projects uh, and and mining projects is that they're they're also funded by other other governments as well, other development uh, uh, institutions and other Western governments. Uh, like Germany, uh, Switzerland, uh, the Netherlands, um, other other places, and I, I went to another community uh, in Alta Vera Paz, um, where uh, a community called a Kekchi community called Monte Olivo, where I visited uh, community members who have been terrorized, 
by a company that owns the Santa Rita Hydroelectric Project. And uh, this is a very well-documented case um, and it's received funding. It, there's, you can read up, up about the, mil the military incursions in this community. How, and I was, uh, when, in my conversations with community members, uh, they detail the, the horrific experience of getting had their houses burned, kicked out of their, their community, forced to hide in the, in the mountains. Um, and this hydroelectric project, like many others in Guatemala, is funded by Western governments, um, in, uh, including this particular project, including the World Bank, who was sponsored by the United Nations. Um, and I think it's also important to understand that it's not just, they're not just trying to uh, extract uh, natural resources uh, for, you know, for supposedly green, uh, you know, uh, this development project to extract electricity and, and other resources, but they're also actually financializing carbon emissions. And, and this is something that they were trying to do uh, with the Santa Rita hydroelectric project. So they're basically trying to, to financialize carbon emissions and put it on uh, profit from it. Financial, Western financial elites are trying to profit from this green, supposedly green technology um, and, and financialize the, the carbon emissions counts. Um, and there's been very few, uh, there's been very few, um, I haven't seen that many much reporting on this, uh, this, this financialization of nature uh, kind of turn this new evolution of, of extractivism and, and uh, you know, uh, and trying, to, trying to profit from, from extracting these resources. Um, Can the one... I ask you something real quick? Because mm -hmm. the, the uh, financialization of the carbon emissions, I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you said this, it really, uh, is that related to what um, in California, it was called cap and trade. And does that also have something to do with um, the planting of these enormous destructive date palm plantations? And Palmer, you're shaking your head. So is that all related? I mean, because those date plant, uh, palm plantations are related to the cap and trade. Um, specific, that was started with... Um, Governor Brown's second term, um, my home state, California, uh, where, and it's kind of a myth, you know, the, the Northern industrial countries just keep admitting and then plant, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because I have a very rudimentary understanding of it. I have visited those date palm plantations. They're heinous what they do to local communities. And, but it's all related, yes? Go ahead, Balmer, you wanna step in? Sure. Well, I'm, I don't know the specifics of the California legislation, but yes, the point is that these companies in Guatemala, um, or <laughs> they're not, tend to not be Guatemalan companies, but the work they're doing in Guatemala is that they're destroying local ecosystems, they're clear-cutting forests, they are violently displacing communities off of land that these communities have protected for generations. Yeah. But then because these communities are supposedly doing, creating green energy, they can then sell credits mm. so that comp companies in other countries can pollute more 
because supposedly these Guatemala in, in Guatemala, this other company is uh, sequestering carbon. It's completely twisted. It actually leads to the production of more carbon. Uh, old growth forests, which are being clear cut, sequester significantly more carbon than these uh, enormous African palm plantations, um, which not only don't sequester as much carbon, but they also require massive amounts of water, yeah. of pesticide. Uh, it's, it's a huge scam. Is a horrible problem in Indonesia too, I believe, and it's destroyed the habitat of orangutans. But it's a really, it, it, it's, it's quite something to actually go and, and see what it is, because this myth of this carbon exchange thing, this green that we're that we're taught and oriented towards in the in the northern hemisphere, it's really it's a myth, and it's just pushing it down on the global south again. The development of the north being you know those people in the south suffering for it so ben when you were traveling you um you did have a chance to meet with people who were protesting fighting physically you know fighting against doing some civil disobedience as palmer is so uh experienced with in communities in Guatemala, and some of those people have ended up in prison because of their attempts to preserve land and water, feed themselves and house themselves and their families. And some of those people are in prison for that be for those actions. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Um, there's the, when I was in Guatemala, I actually had a, the opportunity to go in, inside uh, the, the jail in Coban, which is a, a city in the Alta Verapaz department to visit uh, two political prisoners. Um, I was actually, I was asked to, to go inside by community members because um, they've been, local community members are having a hard time getting inside the jails because they're black marked and they won't let them inside or they're at risk of uh, getting arrested if they try to visit uh, their, their comrades in jail. Um, so I actually, I, uh, I was asked by a member of the, the, the community in Purula to go because a week before I visited Purula, an organizer that was, that was working with that community was kidnapped by the police and, and, and no one knew if he was even alive um at the time so I, I went into the jail to see if he was even alive and then to find out when his court day was and so I was actually able to to go inside and and talk with him and speak with him um and thankfully he was you know he was alive you know shaken up uh in his first week in jail it's not not a nice place in there um but I also um I also I was also able to speak with uh Bernardo Cal um, who's a, a very well-known uh, Kekchi land defender um, who was actually uh, recently released uh, from jail, uh, I, I believe because of good behavior or something like that. Um, so that's another good piece of news that, that, that he's now free. Um, and, but you know, unfortunately with what the news that we're getting about what's going on there today, um, it's hard to imagine that there's not going to be more um, you know, community members being arbitrarily detained. 
um, for defending their their lands and and their you know their families from these incursions. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 important to to support political prisoners because, uh, as I was told by local community members, it's very difficult to organize and to mobilize. Uh, community members if they know that they're not going to get support when they're in jail and their families are not going to get support. Um, so providing support to land, uh, Indigenous land defenders and other, you know, organizers and activists who have been incarcerated arbitrarily is, is very important to, to kind of keep, keep morale high and keep people, uh, you know, organizing and, and uh, involved and, and mobilized because another Another theme that I, I definitely got when I was there was that it's 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 been difficult to um, to convince young people that it's worth staying and fighting for these lands uh, because they're seeing you know they're seeing what's happening um, and they want to get out they they want to migrate uh, many young people that I spoke to wanted to go to the U S they had. Uh, friends who had gone to the U.S. and many of the organizers that I was with were veteran veteran organizers who were very active during the internal conflict, um, and so they're they're still going strong. But a lot of the younger people, you know, it's it's going to take a lot to kind of get the younger generation to uh, to mobilize and, and continue to fight. And supporting supporting political prisoners is is one way of, of doing that, I guess. I think for our audience, it's important to understand that when the principal bread earner in the family is imprisoned, there is no other income for, for the family. So it isn't just the person, the individual in prison that suffers. This ripples out, you know, through the immediate family and the extended family, they all suffer. And the other thing, the prison conditions are so horrible that if there isn't some uh, out, you know, uh, financial assistance given to the families where the prisoners eat gruel, unless their families have the ability to bring them meals, the prisoners sleep on the floor with no blankets, unless the families, friends, community can bring them bedding. And it's just on and on, fresh water, medicines, all of that. None of that is provided by the state when you are imprisoned in Guatemala. It all has to, it all, whatever, you know, assistance you get, whatever little comforts you receive are, are from, from the outside. And they're not smuggled in. It's, it's perfectly legal to bring up, but it's having the financial resources to, to, uh, to help take care of somebody who is incarcerated for trying to, uh, you know, protect clean water and land and housing um, for themselves and their community. And it's really, there's so little that has changed that it's gotta be horrifically discouraging for young people to stay with, the, with this movement. Expect, you know, Guatemalans were, were recognized um, as suffering a genocide uh, in 2005, was it by the UN or the International Human Rights Commission? Correct me if I'm wrong, which actual entity did that. They've, you know, there was the trial of Rios Mont, who was in charge of the military and, and, you know, exterminating these people in the 80s. And still, still, the, the, the repression is there. And the repression is there 
fully funded by the United States by our tax dollars, by our tax dollars. So this is not, you know, this is an occupying military presence. It's not a declared war by Congress. It is financed um, by public funds, by all of our tax dollars, all of us talking with you this evening. And, you know, it, it, it's a war against these people. It's a war to, you know, grab their land, their water and their natural resources. And um, I just really think it's important for people to understand it is a war. Just because it's not declared by Congress doesn't mean, you know, there isn't funding and, and training going on and, and this horrific treatment of, of Guatemalan, specifically indig indigenous people living in Guatemala. So, um, so I wanna give that link. It's a Venmo account. And um, let me pull it up here real quick. It's a Venmo as account. As, as you're pulling that up, I just want to really reinforce that message that this government's policy of criminalization has been very effective uh, only in the Alta Verapazes and only within the organizations we work with. There are, um, this is a relatively small area, but there are thousands of, of uh, indigenous human rights leaders and land defenders with arrest warrants against them. And it, that doesn't just mean that they're a danger of being arrested. It also means, and this is really key, that they can't go to court hearings about the right of the land. So they, a lot of these communities are in legal struggles to show, and they have evidence that the land is theirs. But if they go to court with that evidence, they will be arrested. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the other piece of it is the folks who are actually arrested tend to be the most committed uh, leaders. And then when they're in prison, not only do they face significant violence, denial of food, denial of medicine, but they're basically abandoned. They often do not get visitors, like Ben was saying, not because they don't have a ton of supporters, they do, but because these family members and community members are at risk of being uh, arrested themselves. So we are committed to going to, to the prison and visiting these folks regularly. And we're so thrilled that, that Ben and, and Friends of Latin America are supporting um, these amazing leaders who are, are locked up in Guatemalan prisons. Well, I'm, it, it is, it's really, it's, it's so important. It's such important work. And it's, it's really um, a wonderful thing to have been working with all of us, to have a young, you know, graduate student um, interested, motivated and pursuing this work. It's just, you know, for us older activists, it's always so great you know, Ben, to, to bring in young people like you. And so I want, um, so Ben is, you know, he's at George Washington, but he's also affiliated with Friends of Latin America, who is a broadcast partner of this program. And I want all of you to meet Leslie Salgado, uh, who is the chairwoman, chairperson of Friends of Latin America. I'd like her to tell you a little bit about Friends of Latin America and, um, and how uh, you can donate to the Political Prisoners Project. Welcome, thank Leslie. You. Thank you, thank you, Terry. Thank you, Palmer. Thank you, Ben. This is really, it's very sad to see that so many years uh, have gone by and that things haven't changed. That things, exposition, 
and the role of the United States in waging war and intervention in our countries in Latin America, not only Latin America, it's around the world. It's the same thing all over, um, that it continues and that people suffer the consequences of these. And that here in the United States, people are told that we are doing it because we are bringing democracy to these people. And it's nothing like it. You know, it is so, so very sad. We talk about racism a lot of times here in this country, and we don't think about the racism that US policies promote in countries like Guatemala, like Honduras, uh, where indigenous people who have suffered at the consequence of colonialism for over 500 years, 600 years, continue suffering the consequences of dispossession of their land because Europeans came and took their land mm -hmm. without any respect to or knowledge of the, the, the rights of the indigenous people. And that continues. The, and I'm so happy that Ben joined our group and that he is interested in, in Guatemala and this issue. Uh, our organization started in the mid 1980s in opposition to US policies of war and intervention in Central America. We started as Howard County Friends of Central America. And uh, we actually started with a campaign, the national campaign that was called Stop the Lies Campaign. And the lies that, for example, that Nicaragua was going to take over the United States, the lies that the US was bringing democracy to Guatemala, uh, to El Salvador, while they were funding the armies and the military and the killing. And in Guatemala in particular, I mean, the scorched earth techniques that were practiced, I mean, committing all sorts of atrocities against those people. And those people, the people in, in Guatemala continue to resist that. That is the incredible thing that people, you know, continue to resist. And here is an opportunity for us, those of us who are in the North, also in a way, trying to resist US policies and to pressure for changes which are hard to come by, but we are still trying. But we have to credit the people of Central America and in particular the people of Guatemala for resisting that. And I see this uh, project of supporting political prisoners as an opportunity for us to be, to, uh, be friends, lend a hand, to the Guatemalan people, to the people who are resisting these uh, criminal actions against their people, their families, their land, and against the environment that we all say we want protected. So I invite all of you who are listening to join us in supporting the political prisoners in Guatemala and their families, as you said, Terry, it's not just the political prisoners who suffer the consequences, it's entire families. It's the wives, it's the children, it's the parents, it's, it's, it's the family that suffers. And we should always be for families, for peace, for justice, for respect of the environment, our, our mother earth. And thank you so very much no. again, Palmer. I hope we can continue to work with you. Guatemala reminds me very much about um, my country of origin, Ecuador, because we are also we also have a large indigenous population. And thank you again. Thank you. I wanted to share again with our audience that.
contributions can be made to um, via Venmo to at FO Latin America. So at F O Latin L A T I N America M A M A M A M E R I C A FO Latin America at Venmo. So in our last minutes here, I just uh, I want to again just so thank Ben. Uh, for his project and his work. And Palmer, what a pleasure to meet you and just an honor to be in conversation with you and your work is just incredibly uh, impressive. And I hope that both of you uh, can come back and give us an update, keep us informed and um, we should follow uh, this letter that Ilhan Omar wrote to Barbara Lee and, uh, and see where that goes and perhaps do a follow-up episode on um, on on that letter and what um, what is happening in Congress, that would uh, be some really compelling and uh, work for all of us. So, so is there anything that either one of you would like to say in closing? Just thank you um, again, and uh, so great to meet you. Thank you all, and uh, we will. In terms of what happened today both with the, the letter and also the tag in Guatemala will be posting yeah. on social media. Folks younger than myself will be putting those together. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, really, Terry, I really appreciate your work and Leslie as well. It's great to meet you. And Ben, I'm excited to continue to, to talk and collaborate with you. Thank you. Great, thank you. Please yeah. uh, check out uh, Guatemala Solidarity Project. Um, they're on Instagram. They post a lot of really informative stuff, Twitter and, they, and also their website. Thank you, everybody. I want to remind our audience that you've been watching What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, we broadcast every Wednesday, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Code Pink YouTube Live. Um, I also want to uh, tell you about Code Pink Radio, which broadcasts every Thursday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern um, on WBAI out of New York City and WPFW out of Washington, D.C. Both projects uh, can be found on Apple Podcasts. And uh, be sure to um, tune in next Wednesday. And thank you again, everyone. Just really um, so important to remind um, our audience and all of uh, the U.S. that you know, wars continuing in Central America, Guatemala specifically, as we discussed this evening, and it's not just uh, the, uh, should we say, flavor of the month news coming out of Ukraine and Europe right now. Um, there are people around the world, our work specifically being in Latin America, who are still suffering uh, U.S. military incursions. And for many, uh, wars that were started 40 plus years ago have never, have never stopped. So, so thank you, everyone. And um, we'll see you next week.